All right. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Into the Cauldron. I'm Chris. Uh, thanks for coming back. I'm here today with a very special guest. I'm super excited about Dr. Nita Bhushan. I had the privilege of meeting Nita last year when I was in Tallinn, uh, and it was incredible. She is a lovely person and an incredible coach. And we, today we're going to be talking all about her journey, uh, her part in the coaching, her transition from being a dentist, which I'm sure is going to be really fun. Uh, and stuff for, you know, dealing with self-help, integrating spirituality and poaching yourself out of sucky moments mostly. But Nita, thanks so much for coming on. Oh my gosh, Chris, Coach Chris, it's it's a pleasure. I'm so glad we've arrived. I know it's it's been, you know, I was I was really nervous coming into this because I was like, I, I wanted to try and get all the time zones and stuff sorted. And I was like, I was, <laughs> super, I was super, super nervous as well, because it's just, it's not something I'm super used to doing. I've only done a couple of, couple of episodes and stuff so far. Uh, so I'm still getting into it, but I've been going through a bunch of, um, I don't know what you call it, like there's a new little coaching program going through at the moment on training sort of the sage mode in your mind uh, where you can rewire sort of neural pathways so you don't get overwhelmed through things and you, you what's the way I put it decrease your saboteur like sort of your self-saboteur and increase the sage mode of yourself so i've been doing loads of those practices to try and just get my like blood pressure down or get my stress levels down amazing um, amazing but, yeah because it's one of those things that could actually you know we we talk about things that can limit us if we're constantly in our minds yet to, to really what I what I hear you saying is like to to really own the wisdom that you have so we're dropping into the wisdom and and all of these other tiny little things that don't necessarily take shape or, or matter mm. yeah absolutely um so I guess speaking of owning uh or owning ourselves uh for those of you for those who are listening who don't know you or don't know your work with Dharma coaching or anything uh how can we introduce you in general <laughs> Yes. So I am, uh, I'm a, I'm an emotional advocate, mental health advocate, transformational speaker, author of three incredible books, including the books of coaching and the business book of coaching, as well as emotional grit. That was literally the bridge that connected me from my previous life working with uh, leaders and in my transition of uh, selling my practice of dentistry into then embarking on this field of, you know, coaching and also serial entrepreneurship. And so um, founded a couple of companies, one Global Grid Institute, which is a mental health platform for coaches and leaders and entrepreneurs and Dharma Coaching Institute, which is really to help people find their purpose. And yeah, what I'm really excited about now is my latest book, which is called That Sucked, Now What? And it's really to help people alchemize the, you know, sucky moments in their lives. And, you know, we've all been no a stranger to sucky moments. I think the pandemic definitely showed us what the suck could really look like. But on the outside of it, just like how you left archaeology into coaching, I think, and what we saw at the Great Resignation has really taught us. And I'm sure the Great Resignation has also kind of had its its roots in the UK as well. Mm. But I think to really understand that is to then say, well, that sucked. Now, what am I going to do with the circumstances, the things that don't necessarily, you know, can go my way, but what magic am I going to create out of it? Which is why it's how to embrace 
the magic and the mess and find the joy in chaos because there's always those moments of joy, even when things can look really ridiculously tough. And many times when we are on our spiritual journey, on our spiritual path, we're already accustomed to this and we're accustomed to sometimes finding a lot of the magic and we don't sit in the suck. And, you know, if we go too far into that, we then lean into, oh, the toxicity of, you know, the positivity. Mm. And I know that way too, uh, you know, uh, I know that way too well in my life simply because, you know, that was really one of my coping mechanisms growing up. I had lost my mom, my dad, and my brother within a span of nine years, all under the age of 19. Uh, and I was left to, you know, caretake my youngest brother. And so I definitely had a, quite a few coping mechanisms. And, you know, one of the coping mechanisms I had was this idea that, nope, everyone's people ask me, everyone's going to get the answer that, yep, I'm okay. I'm great. I'm, I'm okay. You know, but I didn't really, and, and nor did I want people to see me as broken, nor did I want to, people to see me as wow, she's had a lot of, of life. Oh, mm. let's feel bad for her. Like, I just wanted to fit in. I wanted to belong just like everyone else. And I wouldn't go into my own hero's journey uh, until a decade later when I was in my late 20s, getting into the, the toxic marriage or toxic relationship that would then bring me to my knees of breaking down to ask for support, you know, from family and friends and really sharing this ugly truth that I had been hiding for a really long time that I was actually in an abusive marriage. And so I think that, you know, for, for your listeners who are listening, you know, we all have these, these magical moments that have sucked yet. We don't necessarily realize the magic in it until much later sometimes. And, and for me, luckily it was, you know, a few years after that, I started to work with shamans and healers and really dig deep into the grieving journey, dig deep into the healing journey and really unearth so much of, of, of what had been stuck in my heart and my body, um, through energetics and somatics and, and, you know, trauma work as well as working with tons of different coaches, talk therapists, EMDR, EFT, I mean, you you name it to really then embark on this journey of, you know, emotional well-being and be that advocate uh and and really inform, you know, the work that I do now. Mm. Yeah, it's just you know, what what's coming up for me right now is just that that I I'm kind of in awe of like the power of your vulnerability with this mm. it's like it's like one of the things like i remember uh, one of the things she said there was really interesting uh the amount of times when asked if you're okay that we all just naturally default say i'm fine or yeah i'm okay yeah i'll get through it yeah stuff kind of sucks but it's fine and i catch i've caught myself for the past you know three four months doing exactly the same thing where people will come to me and they'll be like yeah you know stuff's kind of sucking right now especially in the uk or everything that you've gone through in, my, in your personal life you know that kind of sucks but how are you managing that i'm like yeah 
you know, I'm getting on with it. I moved on. That's what I'm or telling us, telling yourself you moved on from something you really haven't, or it keeps coming up again and again is another thing that we always tend to do. Um, but you know, I think one of the things uh that I I'm I'm just stepping into an awareness of one thing is I am so tired of surface level conversations. Like those kinds of conversations where you ask and you say, I'm fine, but then you're not able to go deep. You know, you're not able to go vulnerable with somebody, which ultimately is, it, it creates a lack of trust, right? Because I think vulnerability is the currency of trust pretty much. Oh. You know, if you are, what's the way of putting it? Vulnerability builds trust. And I think invulnerability erodes it. It's one of those things, you know? So if you are not able to be vulnerable with somebody, and especially even in a context like this, right? So for those of you who are listening, me and Nita met maybe once or twice when we were in Tallinn. Like we're not like, as much as I love Nita, we're not like in each other's personal lives as best friends, right? <laughs> so it's like, but think about everything she just shared there. That's really powerfully personal to you. And it's created an amazing connection. And look at all the beauty and everything that's come out of it. And all that power has come from vulnerability, Right. Yeah. And well, you know, Chris, I, I, I want to, you know, for, for people who are listening, who are kind of like, well, I don't, how do how do I, how do we, how, how do I even begin? I mean, that's, that was the impetus of writing this next book. The impetus was people were not okay during the pandemic, even post pandemic, even, you know, right now, even just having these regular surface level conversations, which by the way, I, I don't like either. Mm. I, I did a post recently where I'm like, I'm just done with surface level conversations. And it was like my full rant, but, in, and here's why, because all of us, all of us are struggling so deeply inside with, you know, and I say struggle, but like varying levels, right. It could, you could have had a bad day and, you know, this idea that, okay, well, I'm, I'm fine uh, because it's easy. It's received easily it can be said easily. There's no attachment to it. And we can just go about our day. You know, the 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 undercurrent of that means that, oh, we got to dig a little, you know, then then that means that we'd have to pay attention. And then and that's where kind of like our empathy skills of like, wow, well, tell me what's really going on. I'm I'm so sorry you're going through that. And I think that um you know, if, if I were a teenager again, going through all of those losses, I think that's the one thing I wish I would have heard was, man, I'm, that fucking sucks. I'm, can I curse on this? I'm so sorry. You're right. You're good. <laughs> can I, you know, like that really sucks. I'm so sorry you're going through that. Instead I heard, well, you know, it's going to be okay, you know, and, and, and God has a plan and and he sure did. They sure did. The universe did have a plan, yes, but to acknowledge the moments of the suck that we are all in sometimes, not every day, but like sometimes I think that really brings us closer together. It's to, the reason why I wrote this book is to really help you normalize those sucky moments, not invalidate them, but help you normalize it so that you can actually have a response to, you know what? I'm not feeling good today, actually. Well, tell me more about that. You know, and it's it's these mini coaching bits that you can all have that you don't really need in order, you know, to to to, to coach somebody else, but just to be a good listener, because that's what we're really all trying to be training in is being a good, a good listener, not a good talking head. 
And, mm. and, and a good listener requires us to be, well, tell me more about that. What, you know, what are you, what are you navigating through? What's, what's happening? And I think for so many of us, we've, you know, either we don't have the tools to have those deep conversations or these difficult conversations. And we were taught early, early on to just save face because, that's what will give us more respect. That was, that's what will give us more dignity. You don't want anybody to judge you. I know that's from my cultural upbringing, Filipino and Indian, you know, you never shared, you, you always were stoic and it wasn't, it wasn't a good thing to share when things were going bad. You don't share things that's going on inside the family. No way. But that's what, that's what emotions of shame and guilt, they get like stuck then in our bodies. And then, and then we realize, you know, 10 years or 15 years, 20 years later, why we've had that ulcer for so many years or why we've had that chronic back pain that just doesn't go away or chronic stomach gut issues because we're constantly suppressing our anger and our anxiety. So it's causing havoc. But what if we were able to normalize and say, yeah, I've had a shitty day today. It's, it, you know, it's, it hasn't been good. And, and to actually acknowledge that for somebody in that moment. We don't need you to sit in the sock for too long because that's the other thing and in, you know, in spiritual circles where then, okay, it's, it's been a few months and we're still in the sock and that's got its place too, because you're, you're going through those emotions, you're going through that journey, but then how do you then take action out of the sucky moments. And I have a whole phase two, part two of the book where I literally talk about, there's a framework that I bring up called the fly forward framework. And it's, you know, when you go through these pivotal moments in life, death, loss, change, moving, transition, career pivot, you know, um, health crisis, et cetera, we hit this almost, you know, proverbial rock bottom in many ways. There's like this unexpected shift that happens. You get fired from a job. You realize your job's not going to exist or how are you going to pay the bills next month where it allows you or requires you to take some sort of action, this imperfect action that you weren't necessarily thinking about. And that becomes then stage two, which is your ignition stage. You are igniting and it's igniting a different part of you that's causing you to come alive. Mm. It ignited that part of me that allowed me to leave my toxic first marriage. And, you know, for some others, it allowed people to then, you know, like yourself, Chris, to ignite and, and leave archaeology and start this coaching endeavor. And then that's where we get into rising and rising is stage three. And in stage three, we're all about, you know, taking that imperfect action, but we're also, accepting our reality that, okay, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm learning that I have to heal certain parts of me before I get into my next relationship. I'm learning that I am procrastinating. So I'm not taking the next steps on my journey. And so we learn a lot of things about ourselves that we accept in order to then move to stage four. And that's that magnify stage and magnify stage is when we're fully blossoming in our new reality as a coach, even though things still might be uncertain, mm. but you're excited. So the duality of both of these complex emotions lives together. So you can still be grieving, but you can experience those moments of joy more than the sucky moments. You are perhaps maybe open to dating after that heartbreak, 
but you're, you're still cautious and reserved and that's okay. You know, all of those dualities of the, the big tough emotions can live together at the same time. And then finally we get into thriving and thriving is what you're doing, Chris, starting a podcast, sharing your truth with other people, creating this cauldron so that, you know, we can alchemize our journeys together and find the magic and sometimes the chaos and some of the conversations may be fully cathartic for you and for for listeners but that's where you know that's where the juice is that's where mm. you know that's that's where the real life of of thriving even though sometimes we might still have those bad days but we we relate to it differently and it changes our perspective as a result mm. yeah it's beautiful it's it's amazing you know it's it's one of those things i think uh one of the ways i traditionally have always sort of i don't know it, it's a difficult thing to know when you're sort of really over something or over an event and, and people always talk about this when they're when, when they're going through a healing journey and they're saying oh well i'm i'm over it you know i i, I, I the, that, that served its purpose in my life and now i'm moving on or whatever it is but i think people have this impression that when we're moving through things or we get over something that it's just never going to come up again and it's it's just not really true like it's it's not a reality that happens where you, you know even if you if you've gone through some kind of thing where you are you know you get very very broken or whatever it is it's like you know like you said with uh an abusive marriage or something like that I, i've had my fair share of very poor relationships in the same sort of vein uh and it's like a it's like a plate right if you smash a plate and you break a plate yeah sure you can go through a journey you can stay put back together you can put all the you know duct tape over it as much as you like but it's still going to be a broken plate you're never going to be a plate again it's you're going to be something else but maybe like going through the entire journey is figuring out that you don't have to be a plate at all right you don't have to put anything over you could be whatever you want to be and you're not going to be the same person you were when you've gone through those sucky moments but that's that's the whole journey. That's the whole point. That's the whole fact. That's where it gets fun. Right. And I think being able to hold and entertain the like two different avenues of all of it is one of the things that makes, you know, us alive. Right. It's one of the things that makes us living that we're able to actually hold two different things or two different perspectives on whatever it is that's going on and find the grit inside. Well, just like bear with the grit inside. Yeah. And actually be with it uh and it's uh, you mentioned uh toxic positivity and stuff earlier i've seen i've seen it so much in spiritual circles in general it's like super common in like new agey kind of practices or anything like that and it gets on my nerves a little bit um because <laughs> well, like, yeah but it's, it's like it's one of those things because like, i just people seem to like hierarchize like that word i don't know hierarchical hierarchize emotions where they put sort of love and abundance and i mean not abundance and emotion but they put love and and bliss or whatever at the top of some arbitrary scale like it just like like you can apply that to emotions it's like it doesn't it just doesn't work because if you take that perspective then things like anger and upset and sadness and you would if they're everything at the bottom of the scale is somehow invalidated that it's it's just not you know it's not right you know if you're a spiritual person like who's meditating every day you're not allowed to feel angry we're allowed to feel anything like that but this is what i love about just embracing the suck or this entire philosophy that you have it's that every single emotion every single thing is a valid response everything is completely valid absolutely and and you know you know for those who are in that toxic positivity cycle i was too 
I totally was. I even hated people who even brought the term up toxic positivity. Yeah. And, and here's, you know, here's the reason why, uh, you know, I, I, I experienced this so much. So more so when I became a mother, because when you see a one-year-old or a two-year-old, like my son, uh, at the time when, when, a lot of kind of my languaging around and and how Ajit and I, my husband and I, we we related to emotions so much more differently because as a two-year-old that's having, you know, their own emotional experience, they're not toxically positive, they're real. Mm-hmm. And they're real because they don't have emotional regulation skills yet. They don't know the difference between good or bad. We tell them, oh, that's a bad emotion. I don't want you to cry. Stop crying. Don't cry. Put your big girl panties on. Girls aren't supposed to cry. Boys aren't supposed to cry. Um, you know, to be a good boy, you don't should you shouldn't cry. We put that expectation on them. So then they learn what emotions are going to get love and acceptance in our uh, you know, our our validation and they learn what feelings are not really allowed. And so I had to then undo and unlearn because I was, I was in the boat with everyone else, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid in the spiritual world and thinking I've done all of this. So I am much better and higher because now I can live in bliss and joy and every terrible thing that happens, there's always a silver lining. Yes. And it fucking sucks. It sucked to go through those dark days. It sucked to have those coping mechanisms, but it served me. I'm not invalidating that experience, but I'm also saying it did suck. And it it, it has also served me. So I think that, you know, and I have one of those like spiral things as well, but it's to show the spectrum of the emotions that we can all have. And it's all beautiful and it's all amazing. And so to think that as a two-year-old, we don't have this regulation and in literally 30 seconds, my, my, my son can go from being so rageful and mama mad because you're not giving me my toy right now. Literally, this is a conversation in our house almost. I I don't doubt it. Yeah. (laughs) It's four now, but then, you know, two minutes later, we're throwing the ball, you know, in inside the room because he's, he's banged, he screamed, he's gotten it fully out of his system. He's had his own emotional release practice. And then he says, mama, I'm done. Okay. I'm happy. And then he gives me a hug. And imagine if like us, you know, children were allowed to do that fully, even if it's in the most embarrassing places, like a grocery store. I was on a plane with my daughter yesterday and she just started just just wail out uncontrollably for the last 30 minutes of the flight. Praise, praise God to the person that was sitting next to me because they definitely were not happy with us. But, you know, if I would have said something like, shut up right now, stop it. You have to behave right now. We're on a plane. You know, how is that, 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 that's, that's discipline. But then again, how, how, how are we going to be okay with our own emotions that are discomforting? And so that's kind of what I talk about in the book. We have a whole emotional release practice on having you be okay with a suck, moving the suck through your body, anchoring it, embracing it, and then transforming it. Usually it's, you know, by something ridiculous, either playing a ridiculous song or doing a ridiculous dance movement or jumping up and down, shamanic shaking, whatever. 
But so then the energy is moved through your body. So it's not stuck somewhere. And then we're able to transmute it and then integrate it, you know, through breath work. I go, you know, through the entire practice inside of the book so that then you are able to say, okay, now I can choose. I can choose to sit in this still suckness or suckiness and then, or I can choose a different emotion. Where do I want to be? Am I, am I, am I feeling peaceful? Am I feeling calm? Or am I still feeling that rage or anger and to allow ourselves, you know, to feel it. Uh, and, and one thing I want to say to that, because a lot of times when we're in our spiritual circles, we're not okay with rage. We're not okay with anger. We want to bury it. And, and I wanted to bury anger so much so in the back closet of a room. I didn't want anybody to know that that existed. And I always thought, you know, I don't really get mad at people. And people used to say, you know, neither do you, do you like, what's your vice? Do you get, do you get angry? Well, you know, I started experiencing that through the woes of motherhood when you're not sleeping, when you're, you know, having to juggle so many different things, when everybody wants a piece of you and you're, and I had to be okay channeling these angry emotions. And sometimes it was pent up anger from years and years of not processing like resentment. And a lot of times, you know, especially the the empaths in the room, it's hard for them to carry anger because they have a different association with it. Oh, it wasn't taught. Anger wasn't a good thing. So I'm just going to bury it. But then it comes out as passive aggressive. You know, you're, you're with a girl that you're dating and she wants you to like read her mind. And you're like, well, actually just tell me what we need mm. to do. <laughs> and so, and so for anybody who has had you know, different relationships with different emotions, I invite you to think, well, what was that relationship to that emotion? How did, how did I feel about that when I was younger? Or what's that coping mechanism that I needed to do to protect myself? Because toxic positivity was what led me out of the darkness of all of the losses. But when I allowed myself to really feel the depths and the gravity of that full spectrum of emotion, that's when the healing began. Mm. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. You know, it, it's it's. I think one of the things that I'm that's coming up for me when I when I hear all this is the, the sort of the phrase transmuting emotions or alchemizing emotions, and it reminds me there's this concept in uh, Hermetic philosophy, and our listeners will know what that is. I don't know if you I don't know if you know about Hermeticism at all, uh-huh. um, but there, there's all I, I guess I say Hermeticism, but I, I guess more via the Kabbalion for those who are listening. Uh, so the Victorian era text uh, of this thing called the principle of correspondence, where every every oh no I don't, I don't know correspondence sorry uh, the principle of polarity I should say different thing um, where there's this sort of philosophical idea in sort of ancient forms of spirituality that everything exists as a, as a spectrum or everything exists as a polarity so we tend to think of when we think of emotions uh we even said we even said that there is a spectrum of emotions right but mm-hmm. think about it almost literally like think about that literally yes there's a spectrum but it also means that technically there is one there is there is just one form of energy that exists and that is an emotional form of energy emotions mm-hmm. are a reaction to however we're dealing with or uh, dealing with things or you know uh, external it's an internal reaction to something external that happens so all of that if you can imagine it as one energy that's expressed over an entire spectrum of different degrees and intensities or whatever it is but when you think about it like that 
because things exist as a polarity in general, then there's really what's the idea? There's this idea that love and anger or love and fear are really actually the same emotion at their heart. They are the mm-hmm. same core energy. They're just different ends of the spectrum. So as much as we're trying to deny all of those other negative emotions or what we perceive as negative emotions, we're denying the, the ability for that energy to move through us in general. And that's what that's what emotion is, right? Emotion is an energy in motion. It's coming through mm-hmm. us. So it's when that it's when something's happening. But that always kind of really helps me, especially when I'm, you know, dealing with ideas around toxic positivity to rather than seeing that, you know, emotions are these separate things where, oh, well, I'm feeling angry today, or I'm feeling something today or this or that, or whatever it is like, okay, no, I'm feeling an emotional response to this. I'm feeling an energy that exists and then try and pinpoint where it is on the spectrum. And then when we start to move it out, like you said, you have an emotional release practice, whatever that is, whether it's ecstatic dance, whether it's moving around or whatever it is, uh, what you're doing is you're just tilting that spectrum back into something that's serving you a bit more. It's not that the other emotion doesn't serve you. It's just that you look at the situation and it's like, okay, well, what's actually serving me to invest in right now? Like, is, is, is it gonna, do I, do I need to sit in the suck for a little bit more? Like, is that something that I need to do? Because I think, you know, the, the amount of people, and I, I, I say amount of people, I've done this time and time again, right? Who try to get out of those negative emotions or get out of that space as quickly as they can, right? Because I think people, I always, whenever people come to me and they say, okay, well, are negative emotions good for you? I'm like, okay, well, is pain good for you? Yes, pain has an evolutionary purpose. You know, if you put your hand on a hot stove, it's it's going to burn and then it, you know, it gets you, you know, you need to take it off really, really quickly. You're not going to keep your hand on the hot stove, but it's the pain that gives you the inspiration to do that. And it's the same with negative emotions. It's not that they are good for an extended period of time, but they are great things and they're completely valid to tell you that a situation isn't working for you. But if you don't listen to them, if you ignore them, or you repress them, or you try and push them out, you're just going to be keeping your hand on the stove. You're keeping that, you're keeping yourself in, plugged into that energy that's generating all those emotions. So absolutely, so you need to acknowledge them because you need to be able to take your hand off the stove or remove yourself from the situation that's generating them. But if you ignore all of them, you push them aside or you try and immediately transmute that energy into something else, then you're not looking deep enough to see what's actually causing them. And that's the message that they're carrying, right? And then then that's when you need it. But once you acknowledge that message, that's when you can then begin to alchemize them and move them into something that's serving you a bit more. Oh, it's, it's so true. I mean, and I love, I, I use the, uh, the hand on the stove analogy as well, because it's so perfect. Otherwise, what, what are we doing? We're just going to burn our hand off. (laughs) Like it goes down the bone and everything. Like like, you destroy all your nerve endings and stuff. And it's the same. Just destroy everything. Cause it's like, everything's okay over here. Actually. No, it's not your hands on fire. Uh, (laughs) and, and, and it's so true that, you know, the pain is our messengers and, and to, you know, deny them life, even if your practice allows that life being 60 seconds, even if you only have 90 seconds in the day before you actually go back into the boardroom or your cubicle or whatever, your next coaching call to really, okay, what I call, you know, stomp out the suck or move the suck or whatever it is, but to really feel it first of like, Ooh, yeah, this is, this is in my gut today. This is in my, this is in my neck today. This is in my tension that no wonder I'm having tension headaches, but like notice where it is and, you know, to, to, to love it, to say, okay, I see you. I, 
I see that we're hurting today. I see that we're really angry today. And, and, and that has that place. And it's from there, as you said, to really then shift it and, and to, you know, transmute it into something greater. Mm. Yeah. I remember, so for, for, for our listeners here, I remember when we were in Tallinn, Nita was up on stage and had an entire room doing a dance to a dinosaur song. And it was great. <laughs> Everyone was moving out. And I also realized, I didn't realize this until afterwards, because uh, we can blame Ajit for this. I uh, noticed that a couple of the reels on Instagram have me and a couple of friends dancing. So we're, we're on the Evercoach Instagram. So thank oh, you. Oh, you are? Yeah. Oh my God, that's amazing. We filmed us doing it. That's <laughs> so amazing. thank you for that. <laughs> so to, to give everyone context, yeah, you know, you can, you can obviously see the, you know, the, the emotional release practice on, on ever coaches platform, uh, or even on my own, I think we've, we've shared a couple of reels, but, you know, first, if we're going to do this practice, we have to first bring up that moment. And that's what I shared in Tallinn with where Chris was doing it, but we to bring a moment that sucked. And so that's the first part. The second part is to acknowledge it and to anchor it. So in, in, in my talk, I gave everybody a hat, which said that sucked. Now what? But that was the anchor and that was the anchor. And sometimes, you know, the mantra to say, okay, that sucked. Now what? And it's really just to anchor it in that sucked. Now what? That sucked. Now what? Because sometimes that's all we need to say, because that's all the time that we have, or that's, it's kind of, that's the space that we're in. Sometimes people have a little photo of themselves of like the little girl or the little boy that needed to speak their truth when they were young. So have that anchor for yourself, right? Wherever it is. And acknowledge the pain of that moment. And then you want to feel the feelings. So that's number three, feel the feelings of, okay, I am feeling blank. I am feeling rageful right now. I am feeling so disappointed. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling anxious. So I am feeling, right? And then the fourth is now start moving or stomping the sock. And this would help when you have, uh, you know, if you, if you don't have a rage playlist on Spotify, <laughs> you can create one or, uh, you, you can play something ridiculous, like, like the dinosaur dance song that we played in Tallinn, because that's really what my son saw me stomping like a dinosaur one day. And, uh, he said, mama, why are you stomping like a dinosaur? I said, well, mama has big feelings. We were supposed to go on this date with my, with your dad and it didn't happen. And so I'm allowed to feel my big feelings. And so that's why we we decided to play the dinosaur dance in front of 600 people, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> letting them get crazy and wild as well. And then, you know, step number five is to release. So roar, scream, yell, stomp, shake, whatever, but like move the energy because what we're doing is then activating our vagus nerves and our vagus nerve activates our parasympathetic system, which allows us to get, get back into equilibrium, allows mm -hmm. us to fully breathe. And so the screaming or the chanting or the yelling, whatever you choose allows that energy to move. And then finally we integrate and we integrate that's number six with breathing. So we also do this vagal breathing of, you know, breathing in and then chanting. And now I do this because I'm doing this also with my kids. 
Um, and it's also a, a nice reminder to then get out of our heads, but we can do this with, oh, right. But there's, uh, there's such a, an essence to using our voice. And we do that three times. So, and we release that energy. So then we're alchemizing that and integrating it in our body and we're coming back down to an equal equilibrium. So that's the emotional release practice. And this could be done, you know, it doesn't take that long. You can take us 10 minutes, 20 minutes, if you want to rage to a few songs, um, or it could be as, as, as short as just, you know, 30 seconds to a minute. Mm. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's interesting. It reminds me even just hearing it, you know, um, we see throughout tons of different like ritual manuscripts and ritual scrolls in, in the ancient world. We see it in Egyptian stuff. We see it in Greek stuff. We see it in like Gnostic Christian stuff as well. But as part of rituals, there are there's so many, it happens so often that people chant vowel sounds usually. So they'll be like, or something like that as they go through. And it's like, there is, like I say, it might, it might be because we're activating the vagus nerve, but there is something that shows up in almost all of these spiritual systems where chanting is a thing that happens again and again, and it facilitates an altered state of consciousness that ends up happening like it will move you into something so that, that even from a scientific perspective that could be what we're looking at there right like we're able to by, by chanting or engaging the vagus nerve whatever it is we're moving some kind of energy out and it's changing our state of being or changing our state of consciousness in general right absolutely and it's it's such an interesting practice i think and it, 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 it's such a powerful practice that you're able to actually you know I, I even even just in terms of radical self-awareness, you know, like you said there, one thing I noticed uh, was I'm feeling or I am feeling X. I am feeling something. You're not saying I am the or I am whatever. Right. Like when people come in, that, that, that's sort of our default with our language. Right. And we, we especially our language, our words, our, our viewpoint that creates our reality, whatever we're looking at. If we keep saying I am anger or I, or I am angry or I am sad, or whatever it is, we're identifying ourselves with the suck right? We're identifying ourselves with that emotion. If we insert the word feeling into it, it changes the entire perspective that we have on it because you're, it, it's not that you're disassociating with the emotion. It's just that you are able to observe it more than anything else, rather than be it or be in it. Right. Oh, and I, I love that. I love that, uh, acknowledgement and perspective because it is very true. We're not, it, it's, there's a reason why we're not saying, well, I am sad right now. And even when it, when we're teaching, when I'm teaching my kids, I'm, I'm saying, well, no, I am feeling sad right now because that for them can change in two minutes. Mama, I'm, I'm feeling happy right now. You know, so, so, and again, we're all just healing our, our inner children anyways, and to be mindful of that. So, so, which is why that anchor is so important. And many times it is giving agency to the little boy or to the little girl who couldn't express their emotions, uh, because they were told that it wasn't accepted in, mm. in their reality or the parenting or upbringing. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. And I think, well, I think a lot of us are, or at least through these kinds of practices, we are learning, or I guess we're unlearning all of the like de-acceptance that we've got programmed with, and we're sort of we're relearning how to accept ourselves, right? But in, in order to do that, yeah, mm -hmm. in in order in order to do that, in order to relearn how to accept ourselves, we have to actually sit with all the uncomfortability that we brought up, 
it's a hard thing to do. It sucks. <laughs> That's the point of it. <laughs> and, right? it sucks. and, 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 and the thing is, is we get to do it in relationship because it's one mm-hmm. thing where, you know, we're, we're doing all the spiritual work on our own and we're like sitting like, you know, a, a hermit in, in, you know, monastery or some sort of cave, but we get to go out we get to relate if we're going to share and be vulnerable and, and to then kind of be in partnership. And I'm not saying love, but I'm saying like in relationship with people so that those things can actually bring out sometimes the messiness, sometimes the chaos, so that it can help us alchemize some of the things that we were repressing when we were younger so that we can unlearn to relearn and to create these new neural pathways and and getting us closer to, you know, that path of consciousness that, you know, we're, we're really all on. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And I think that's probably a beautiful place to end it and let you go. <laughs> I think that's a beautiful, powerful note to end on. Realchemizing our emotions uh, or, or relearning how to attune back to that path that we're all on. I think that's a beautiful mm-hmm. place. Um, so Nita, thanks so much for coming oh on. Oh my gosh, Chris, you're such a great interviewer. I love the depth of the questions. I absolutely love that you take your your uh, your interviewees into such a such a beautiful path so thank you so much for having me and for those of you who are very curious that sucked now what.com you will be able to get once you order the book you will be able to get not only uh my five day healing practice which starts with healing the relationships in your life and then we go into what we're calling in the abundance and also how to protect our mental health our sanity our emotional health and then getting into how to take brave and and courageous action and then finally we end on day 5 with uh you know how to you know get back to ourselves and how to really fully connect and align back to ourselves so amazing everyone needs i i can't recommend it enough seriously everyone needs to go do it so please Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's what we need to do everyone needs to become healed that's what we want to do (laughs) all right nita have a great day and uh whatever your next thing is i hope it goes great oh thanks so much love appreciate you you too